Well, good morning, everybody. Our series is called Epic, and our thesis is that we all want to be a part of a story that has meaning and purpose, and really, we all want to be a part of a larger-than-life story. And we have an instinct to find that story and join it somewhere. And one of the reasons that I know that is in the fall, when people pay good money and we drive long distances to see NFL football, right? Or we tune in uh, religiously on the TV. I think one reason is uh, it feels like we can be part of a much bigger story, that we can be part of it, we can join it. It's larger than life and they're heroes. And so we want that. And our thesis is uh, that the only story that is real and lasting is the epic story of the salvation of God. So we can try to make our small stories great, or we can find, try to find a story to join, but the only story that's real and lasting is the epic story of the salvation of God. And that story has three chapters. In chapter one uh, is creation. God made a good and beautiful and whole creation in the beginning where everyone was in loving relationship with each other and himself. Chapter two was the fall, where our ancestors rebelled against the good and holy God, his love and provision. And we share in that ugly legacy every time we willfully sin. And chapter 3 is the one we're living in now, redemption, where God has sent his son to forgive sin, to atone for our sin. And he resurrected from the dead as the assurance of new and everlasting life, the first fruits of many resurrections from the dead. We too will share in it. And then the fourth chapter is future. We await the return of the king who will put everything, he will put the world to rights. And so we have the chance to join the story through faith. And I, I had the feeling as I was driving in today if you are someone that is all too aware of your fear and resentments and dishonesty and selfishness, then you've come to the right place. Uh, we are a place where beggars can find bread, and we're all beggars, and we're all depending on the grace of God offered through his son, Jesus Christ. And we receive that. It's mediated through what we're sharing in today, the Bible reading, and it's mediated through the community and the worship. And so take heart. Um, all is not lost. Um, God is at work redeeming us and restoring the earth. We're in the book of Acts, and today we're learning something important about the nature of the church. And in terms of literary devices we're looking at a plot twist. Now, I didn't know a whole lot about plot twists, but a plot twist is that moment in a story of misdirection. It's a reversal. It's where everything turns. It's where you thought the story was going in one direction, and then all of a sudden, it's going in the direction you did not predict. All great stories have plot twists. So let's read Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. And I'll ask you to turn in your Bibles or your worship gods and hold them open on your lap. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father and our everlasting 
God. Uh, we're all too aware that we need to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And if it's all up to us, then that's really going to be a failing enterprise. And so we trust in your grace, and we particularly trust in your spirit. We trust in your spirit to do way more than we can ask or imagine, to do things that are beyond us in our own lives and through us. And we're trusting in your spirit to do more than we can imagine this morning. So open us up, change us, help us to hear and respond with love and obedience. In Christ's name, amen. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, some of you will know that Acts is about the birth of the church. And last week, you, maybe you picked up the, tr the transition. Saul was approving of the death. That was Stephen's death. Stephen was a good man, and he died way too early, and he died by stoning. And so it was a terrible tragedy. But this week, things go from bad to worse. In verse 1, it says that a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So this is a moment in the church called the Diaspora. And the di Diaspora is when people are driven out of their homeland. And these Jewish Christians were driven out of Jerusalem. And they had to pack their belongings in the middle of the night and get out of there. And so they were involuntary refugees, uh, even in their own nation. And so it was so grievous and so sad because people were uprooted from their homeland and there was suffering and persecution. And worse yet, in verse 3, Saul, began, Saul, who would become Paul, began to destroy the church. That's the language. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So if you've been in the series, you'll know that the persecution has been there for a few people like John and Peter, but now this persecution is extensive. It's widespread. And so the picture looks bleak. The Christians were already up against the powerful Jews and mighty Rome, but now there's this widespread persecution, and it's so painful and devastating and sad. And so it's a low ebb for the church, and it seems like all is lost. Maybe they're just going to have to pack it in. This thing called the church maybe is over. And then this. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So this is the plot twist. This is the unexpected development. 
every, the bottom has fallen out. Everything is going south. But here's the turn. Recall when Jesus, before he ascended, he commissioned the church. He said, but you will receive power. This is Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem. Only there? No. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the problem was, up until this point, the church was growing. It was growing leaps and bounds. But it was growing only in Jerusalem. All the converts were being made only in Jerusalem, in the holy city where the temple was. But God's vision for this thing was that it was going to go out to the ends of the earth. So again... The church is under siege. Christians are being imprisoned and dispersed. No. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I think this is God's sovereign goodness. And we see his sovereign goodness in other places. Some of you know the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And Joseph's brothers persecuted him. And they beat him. And he had a coat of many colors. And they threw him in a pit. And they left him for dead. But the plot twist is God in his sovereign goodness rescued Joseph from the pit. And this event catalyzed Joseph to rise to second in command in Egypt. And when a famine came to Israel, Joseph's brothers came to him for help, not knowing this was their brother. And as Joseph's brothers were begging for food, Joseph reveals himself to them and he forgives them. And then he says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done for the saving of many lives. Do you see the sovereign goodness of God? And here in Acts 8, the Jews intended the great persecution to stop the spread of the church. They intended it for evil, but God intended it for good for the saving of many lives in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here's the thing, you know, for the very first time, uh, Christians are being scattered. And I want you to get used to that word, scattered. Maybe you can just say it, scattered. Kind of fun to say, scattered. Um, it's almost uh, onomatopoeic, um, maybe. But it's used, a word used twice in the short reading. So the Christians were used to gathering in the temple. But now they're being scattered. And the underlying Greek word is ekbalo, which means to be outflung or flung out. So when Christians, you and me, American Christians, think about the church, a lot of where we go is we think of a gathering like this in a building where people, consumers, if you will, come to receive a religious product from a small group of religious providers staff like me and other leaders in a church which dispenses religious goods and services. That's how we think about it. It's like going to a restaurant. It's a consumer choice. And we ask ourselves, how are things in here for me? Of course, people in America aren't streaming into churches these days. And I think what God is doing, like he was doing in the early church, is forcing us to see the church differently. So in Acts 8... They gathered, but now something new. They're being scattered. They're being flung out. And it says they did what? They preached the word wherever they went. So what were they saying? Well, it's so simple. And if you read Acts, they say it explicitly again and again. 
Jesus died to atone for sin. He died to forgive you. And then he resurrected from the dead. And many people saw him. And he was the assurance of new and everlasting life. And you can share in that life through faith. You know the old phrase, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Well, this isn't how they were operating. You know, if you don't use words, then nobody will know why you do what you do. And so they were finding their voice, and they were using words. And we're invited, really, to live openly and to live our faith out loud and to find words to share the hope that is within us how God has healed you and given you his grace through the Son. So this is what's happening. They're being scattered. And it wasn't the professionals who were doing the preaching. This little detail in verse 1, it says, all but the apostles were scattered. So here's the thing. It wasn't the professionals who were doing the preaching. It was normal Christians who were sharing their faith. See, the persecution, what it does is it radically decentralizes the church. Everybody becomes a missionary. Everybody is on mission. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, every Christian is on mission or an imposter. So here's the plot twist in Acts 8. The thing opens, and really, it is really, really bad. It is so bad, and I can only imagine if we had witnessed Christians being dragged off to jail and people being um, persecuted, maybe there were other stonings, people packing their bags in the middle of the night and getting out of Dodge. And it was so bleak and so bad. And that was the end of the story, right? No. The great persecution changed the church from an inward-focused institution to an outward-facing movement. Do you see the sovereign goodness of God here? Not that he caused the persecution, but he took it and he redeemed it and he used it. So the church went from being a place in Jerusalem where people came to sit in a meeting to becoming a movement of people going out in the surrounding areas to minister in Jesus' name. So at Community West, uh, we're really trying to embrace and adopt this two-beat rhythm of gathering and scattering. So here we are this morning gathering, and we think it is a good thing to say to you, make a priority to be at one of the Sunday gatherings when you're in town, in person, because we're renewed in the gospel and we need that. But the second beat of the two-beat rhythm is then, at the end of the service, I'm going to say to you, now get out of here. But as you get out of here, go and be the church, just as much as you were in this gathering. So another way I like to say it is we have two little phrases. Uh, When we gather, the phrase is come and see. And we want people to come and see and hear what it is God has done through his son. But equally, we're committed to where you are the other six days of the week, in your neighborhoods and workplaces and third places. And we're committed to global mission across the globe in far-flung places. Now, one of my favorite testimonies that we did at this church was called This Time Tomorrow, TTT. And what we did was we just brought people up and we just said to them, what are you going to be doing this time tomorrow? 
And so people said, oh, well, I'm going to be at work, and I'm going to be doing this. And we said, well, who are you going to be with, and what are you going to be doing, and what might the significance of all that be? Well, the point was, the church is both. The church is what we're doing this time today, and the church is equally what you'll be doing this time tomorrow. Do you see the significance? The church is both the gathered people and the scattered people. That's what we're adopting in this church. So here's the mystery of God. The persecution was designed to stop the church from spreading. But what happened instead was the persecution transformed the church into a missionary movement. It radically decentralized the mission. Christians were learning for the first time who they are and gaining their identity as a result of the persecution. So now instead of the pastors and the apostles being the ones who are doing the preaching and the praying and the ministering and the mission, every single person becomes a person in the mission. It becomes a movement of the people, not an institution directed by the leaders. And so what everyday Christians are learning is their identity as the sent people of God. Which brings us to Philip. And if you picked up in the last part of this thing, um, we get this little snapshot of a single person who was involved in the scattering, and his name was Philip. And verse 5 says, Philip went down, Jerusalem was high up, he went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So Philip becomes a picture of what it means to be a sent person, and let's just look at two things. First, don't miss the cross-cultural nature of Philip's mission. We know that the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. But it seems the love of God in Jesus Christ, instead of causing the Christians to continue to despise or avoid their Samaritan neighbors, they reached out in love, and Philip went to a city in Samaria. And similarly, the West End of Richmond and wherever you live is very diverse, and we have an opportunity not to stay stuck in stereotypes and our fear of resist and resistance of other people who are different than us, but to reach across social and racial and political boundaries and build friendships it becomes a picture and a bridge for the gospel. So second, it says in verse 6, as Philip was embodying this call to be a sent person, verse 6 says he paid close attention, or people paid close attention to what Philip said. Why? Because he exercised people of unclean spirits and healed people who were paralyzed or lame. And so here's what we take from this. When we scatter and we embrace our identity to be a sent person, we embrace the mission to preach and to heal. That means that the witness of the church is not only to share with our words the forgiveness and new life in Christ, but to serve the poor, to share our possessions. We work in the context of education, business, and politics, not just to be a strident, judgmental voice, but to reflect God's grace and truth and work for justice and reconciliation. Good deeds often precede a willingness for people to hear good news. And that's what the church has always known. And so Philip is embracing his new identity as a sent person. And we didn't read all of Acts 8, but my favorite part of Acts 8 is the second half. And read it this afternoon. The spirit or an angel tells Philip to go down a certain road. And then the spirit prompts Philip to walk up to a chariot where he finds an Ethiopian man reading the Old Testament scripture. And the man doesn't understand what he's reading. And Philip explains it to him. And the man believes in Jesus and is baptized. 
And so we have the same opportunity. Um, what is ordinary life? Is it that we just go about our days? No. When we trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And as we're submitted, the, the Spirit convicts us of sin and leads us in the way of a Christ-like life. And the Spirit also leads us into the epic story of God's mission to reach other people. And so we go about our days, but we don't just go about our days. We go about our days, and we're sensitive to the prompts and the leadings of the Spirit to love and serve and reach out to and speak to people the Spirit brings into our path. And so I like to say, um, so you live in your neighborhood, right? No, you were sent by the Spirit into your neighborhood in the beginning. And that's why you're there now. So you go to work or the gym or out to eat, right? No, you're sent by the Spirit to those places. You are now involved in the mission of the Spirit. The mission of the Spirit is the mission of God. And so this is the epic story. And see, we're learning about the nature of God. God is ascending and a seeking God. He is the shepherd who leaves the 99 to seek the one. He's the woman who turns the house upside down seeking the lost coin. He's the father who hikes up his skirt and runs out into the streets to welcome his lost son home. And if you have come to believe in Jesus and have a little taste of that new life, then God in his mercy sent someone to you. It may have been um, your mom and dad. It may have been a friend. It may have been a stranger. But God in his mercy sent someone to you to speak to you about hope and faith in Jesus. He sent someone to you, and now he's sending you. And he's sending me. So the last thing I want you to see is the result of the sending activity of the Christians. And it's verse 8, the last verse. And this is an important verse to Community West. It always has been. The verse is, let's just read it together. So there was great joy in that city. I want you to let that just sink down into you. Because we might be tempted to protest, well, Luke, the author, don't you mean there was great joy in the church? Yes, surely there was great joy in the church. And the Christians shared in that joy as they met in their homes and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. But their vision was wider than that. Remember our king will return to restore the earth to its beauty and communion with God and each other. And so what is our vision? Um, Christy had us say it. And why do we say this? The vision is to see the people and places of West Richmond and beyond transformed by the love of God through Jesus Christ. And why do we have that statement? Well, one of the things you should notice is it's not a church vision. It's a community vision. And so why do we have that? Well, it's Acts 8.8. 8, because we think that the church exists for itself and for the sake of the community it serves. The aroma of the church is meant to spread out we hope people will say about Community West, I may not believe everything those people at Community West believe, but I sure am glad they're here. It's the aroma of the church. It's the church turned outward. And so 
At Community West, we are working for the joy of our city. We say West Richmond and beyond, but we, we are delighted to have people from all over our city be part of this fellowship and be part of this mission. We want people from all over our city, north side, south side, east, the reason that we reference West Richmond is we had this place and we have a sense of location of the incarnation and here we are. But mainly we want you to be rooted and aware of owning local and being present where God has you in your neighborhood and workplace and third places. So here's the thing. If we really do commit to the joy of our city then it will be costly in terms of time, money, wear and tear. It'll cost us inconvenience. Uh, but we're following in the way of our Savior who gave his life as a costly sacrifice. And I'm reminded that uh, we all had the feeling that we need to fill our lives. And Jesus said again and again, the way you gain your life is by giving it away. And so, ironically, it's the scattering, and it's the serving, and it's the loving, and it's the preaching that fills us. So to sum up, what we see in Acts 8 is a plot twist. It starts with the great persecution, and so the story is going in one direction. It's the great persecution, and Christians are being imprisoned, and they're being dispersed, and curtains for the church, right? But then there's this misdirection, and that's what a plot twist is. No. What the Jews intended for evil, God intended for good. The persecution changed the church from an inward-focused institution to an outward-facing church. And the Christians began to grow in their identities as the sent people of God. And so now at Community West, we have the opportunity uh, not just to be any old thing as a church, we're not just going to be any old thing. We're taking our cues from here. And we're, this scripture holds our feet to the fire. And it says we're going to adopt the same. Gathering and scattering. To be committed both to come and see. And also to where you are the other six days of the week. Now admittedly it's even harder. So to close I just want to say it's even harder um, to have this outward face as a church, now that we have this beautiful building, because the tendency of the church is going to be to bring it all, all the activity in here, right? Because we got these great rooms, and we love to be in them. But I want to offer an illustration that I think will help our building serve not only the gathering, but the scattering of the church. So we're here now, and we're worshiping, and the tall ceiling and the tall glass windows create a transcendent space for prayer and praise and we can look out God is creator redeemer sustainer and so the creator God through the beauty is almost in the room but that's not the only thing that we could think of when we're in this building if I were to say the one other type of building that this church reminds me of, it would be an airport. And Lisa reminded me yesterday that we were in the Charlotte airport in the international division one time, and, and I said, this is it. So I'm always looking around. 
beautiful tall windows looking out onto the runways. So here's the thing. We're here because this is a beautiful space for gathering. But when you go to the airport, it's not a destination, right? You don't go there to stay. You don't go there to hang out. You go there to be sent somewhere. You go there to get on a plane and fly away. So in addition, so out there in our commons, I think it looks a little like a concourse at an airport. So in addition to this being a beautiful place where you have the strong association, we're here to worship. Maybe we could just think of this place also. It's a sending station. We come here not to stay here, but we come here to be sent, just like an airport. All right, I established that association now. I hope it sticks. So the point is, friends, uh, the Spirit is, has redeemed us. And if you haven't yet received the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that this morning. And the Spirit is also sending us. This is one way you and I get involved in the epic story of God. Amen. Let's pray. We, Spirit, we receive this word and we pray that you would change us. We pray you would, it would encourage us that we, the penny would continue to drop for what you've done for us in Jesus Christ and how you form this community to be a place of reconciliation and of hope. And we pray also now that you would send us powerfully uh, into the places where we go so that we might be the church there also. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.